Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of General Conference Conversations, where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm Kaylin, I'm your host, and I'm super excited to be here studying the words of Christ's chosen leaders. So let's get right into it. Today, we are talking about Sister um, Dennis's talk from the Saturday, sorry, Sunday morning session. This is the second talk in the Sunday morning session, and um, it was one of my favorites, honestly, and so I'm going to try and make this, like, not too long or quote-heavy. Um, she just had a lot of really good quotes in the way that she said things and talked about things. Just, it, almost every paragraph I have something that I want to, like, read because there's just, she says it so well, I know that I can't do justice by paraphrasing it. So I'm gonna try to like not make this an hour and a half episode, but no promises. Anyway, um, as always, I encourage you to read or listen to this talk um, before you come and listen to me talk about it. Even if you, just in general, this talk specifically, like I said, there's so many amazing quotes and things that she said, there's not, I, Apart from just reading you the whole talk, I won't be able to tell you and like read all of the quotes that I loved so much. So um, I really, really encourage you to listen to or read this this talk um, yourself so that you can get all of that goodness for yourself. Um, and hopefully I can add to that. Hopefully I can add to that with my questions and then pointing on some things out that she talks about. So her talk is called... His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And this talk is all about charity and love. And I, I'm sure you have probably caught this by now. I'm big on charity and I'm big on love. And, um, you know, that being our, our commandment as, as Christ's disciples is to love as he loved. And so that's kind of her whole point. And it's so good so she starts by talking she tells a story about jack and his uh bird hunting dog cassie um and they were he he was um his dog cassie was very skilled at bird hunting and so he invited some friends to come see her work and um sorry my random (laughs) beeping of my computer um So they went to a hunting club and when it came time to show off Cassie's skills, she was acting strangely and she wasn't obeying any of Jack's commands and she just wanted to sit right right next to him and he was kind of frustrated and embarrassed because he had invited all of these people to come and watch and like when they left, she wouldn't even go into the back of the truck, wouldn't even jump into the back of the truck. So he kind of impatiently picked her up and like, you know, shoved her in her kennel. And so all the way home, he was frustrated and he was like, why, 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 why is she acting this way? You know, I took her all this way, I invited all these people. And then when they got home, he started looking for, you know, anything, injuries, birds, ticks, as he usually did to like make sure everything was okay. And he found, um, a really big cut on her chest and on her 
leg too there's two cuts and he felt so terrible and ashamed that he had been frustrated with her for you know not um not acting the way she normally did not doing what he wanted her because she was hurt and so sister dennis says this um how many wounded individuals do we have among us how often do we judge others based on their outward appearance and actions or lack of action when if we fully understood we would instead react with compassion and a desire to help instead of adding to their burdens without judgment. <clears throat> and that is just like her whole thesis, basically. Like that is her kicking off point for the rest of her talk. And I just want to like just let that sink in for a second. Because I think we, we logically, we know this as human beings. We understand that people around us are going through things that we don't see and that we don't understand, even if we know, even if we know what they're going through, even if we're, you know, close in an inner circle and we understand circumstances, we don't completely understand what it's like to be them in their shoes right now going through whatever they're going through, right? And we logically, we know that, but also we're people. <laughs> and so we we are always striving to understand this talking like what we were talking about last episode um we're striving to understand people we're always trying to understand why why people are doing what they're doing and often we tend to think the worst of people um even if we don't even mean to we explain away an action or like you said a lack of action for something bad like they don't have enough faith or they're just breaking commandments because they want to or you know whatever they're not at church because they're they're just lazy or whatever it may be right we automatically sometimes not all the times it's very general <laughs> but like as people we tend to go for kind of the worst outcome we don't give people the benefit of the doubt all that much especially when it comes to things in the church at least in my experience i've seen this um when it comes to things like going to church or being baptized right when you turn eight or going on a mission right when you turn 18 or 19 like those milestones that are very visual or like drinking coffee or tea or smoking things that are very physical that you can see and you can see you know, them coming to church or going to the temple or being sealed in the temple or not being sealed in the temple. And we automatically make assumptions about what that means. Even if we have absolutely no idea what the meaning behind those actions are. And so that's what she's pointing out here, right? <laughs> Is how many wounded individuals do we have among us? How many people sitting in the pews at church or walking past you on a daily basis are wounded in some way emotionally physically mentally spiritually pretty probably everybody right um there's a general authority and i cannot remember who it is but i've heard this story a couple of different times so i'm i'm thinking it was talked about in general conference but i also might have just heard it on my mission um 
it was a general authority and he had gone with one of the 12 apostles as his companion to like a state conference and he the the general the the member of the 12 he they went out to do visits you know they often go out and visit a couple of members of the stake um and so the the 12 the member of the 12 looked at the general authority and he was like in these situations um assume that about I don't remember what the, it was like about 70% of the people that you come across are struggling and you're probably hitting way below the mark you know the same thing of like pretty much everybody that you come across is struggling with something so be compassionate and be understanding of that right to like really have that at the forefront of your mind so that that judgment doesn't even come um or when it does come you can be like yes but that but I don't know the whole story. Um, I shared this a few episodes ago, um, so I'll try to keep it brief, but also understandable, because <laughs> I think I kind of rushed through my explanation of this last time. Um, I think I was getting to the end of an episode and I didn't want it to go too long, and I kind of wanted to throw it in here, but this really... Um, fits with this whole talk. She actually talks about this a little bit later, and I'm going to tell it now before I forget. So last year, um, I came across a couple of, there was a couple different, there was a comment on a Facebook group that I'm in, and a comment somebody shared on their Instagram story of an account that I follow. And these two comments together blew my mind, <laughs> and like, I, 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 was taught by the spirit something that I had not really ever put together before. So the first one was about faith, hope, and charity, which she talked about a lot in here. Um, and it, how many times are those put together? Faith, hope, charity, over and over and over, right? What's the difference between faith and hope? Sometimes it's hard to like, they seem like the same thing, right? We have faith in the future, we have hope for the future. Like, it's kind of, you know, faith cannot come without hope and hope cannot come without faith. Like, are the same thing, but then why are we saying both, not one or the other? Anyway, so the first comment was a comment on a Facebook group that I'm in. And it was about this. They were like, what's the difference between faith and hope? Like, faith, hope, and charity. What is what? And the comment was, faith has to do with is rooted in the past. We have faith that Christ performed the atonement, that he saved us, that he knows us perfectly. We have that faith. We have faith in him. Hope is rooted in the future. <laughs> um, we have hope that because Christ died for us, performed the atonement, that we we have hope for a better world to come, right? We have hope that we will be saved. We have hope that we'll, we can repent of our sins. And charity is rooted in the present. That is our job as disciples of Christ, as people on this earth, is to have charity for those around us. And that one blew my mind just on its own. I was like, wow, that's amazing. The second one was about um, saving, judging, and loving. And the comment was basically, you know, we're not here to save or to judge. Those two roles are already filled by Christ and by God. 
we are called only to love. And so I was like, wow, put those things together, right? We have faith that Christ saved all of us. We have faith that he did that. And he is our savior. That role is filled. We also have hope that God is going to be a perfect judge. And that because Christ atoned for our sins, we will be judged perfectly. And so will everybody around us. We have present, we are called to love. We are called to have charity. And I posted, so I don't know if I've talked about this before. My best friend and I run an Instagram account, uh, Instagram account member monologues. Um, if you're interested, you can go and find it on Instagram and Facebook. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it's just me at the moment, so it's kind of more sporadic than it was when I was doing with her. But we have a good backlog of posts if you're interested in reading them. But I'm posting this, and I talked to my mother-in-law. And um, she's like, I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And she's like, I realize that you're right, that, like, we really can't judge people. We can judge, <laughs> we can judge if they're, if for ourselves, if we want to be around that person. We've talked about this before, especially in cases of abuse and unhealthy relationships, things like that. Obviously, we're not judging them. We're not condemning them. We're not saying, you know, we're not... We're not judging their righteousness or their worthiness, right? We don't we don't get that choice. That's that's God's job. But we can judge for ourselves whether they should be in our lives. And anyway, so she talked about that. She's like, I we can judge that way, but we cannot judge who they are, and we cannot judge their worthiness on the actions that we see, because even if you know, even if you're married to them, I live with my husband. I'm with him, not not 24-7, but he's at work only five or six hours a day, eight hours a day. The rest of the time he's here, the rest of the time we're together. Even then, I don't understand what's, I don't know what's going on in his head. I don't know what's going on in his brain. I don't know the, you know, I don't completely understand all the things he went through as a child. Like, I have not been with him my whole life. And... You know, even somebody that you think you know that well, right? You can't judge for them whether they're going to get into the celestial kingdom or whether they have repented of a sin or whatever. That's between them and God. And I, and I look at that with myself and I'm like, I don't even understand what's going on in my head half the time, right? I have anxiety. I've talked about this a lot. Anxiety, specifically social anxiety, and that prompts me to make choices that I probably wouldn't make otherwise. Um, I, I work on it, I try, and I try to, you know, make sure that my anxiety doesn't run my life, but I have, I also have had traumas in my past, and I have had, you know, my experiences in life are very different than my husband's, are very different than my siblings, and we grew up in the same house, and just everything, right? And so I don't even completely understand like all of the things that will go into my final judgment. I don't completely understand everything that's going on right this very second in my brain. But God does and Christ does. And so we have that faith and that hope 
that because of the atonement we will be judged perfectly. And so, you know, I look at myself, I'm like, I don't even understand myself. How am I supposed to judge somebody else based on something that I don't, I don't completely even understand a fraction of what they're doing. I only see what they're doing or what they're not doing, or I hear what they're saying or they're not saying. Um, and we can try, I can try to understand people, but we're not going to try, we're not going to do it a hundred percent. Um, and so that's kind of her whole dealio here. And that is so well wrapped up in that one quote is you know how often do we judge others based on their outward appearance and actions or a lack of action when if we fully understood we would instead react with compassion and desire to help instead of adding to their burdens our judgment like that is a call out that is a call out that is a call up to be better and to you know remind us that these are people just like us trying to figure out this crazy world and you know we can help <laughs> by loving and not judging. So, um, and she goes on to say, she's like, I've been guilty of this in my life, uh, but the Lord has been patient with me and I've been working on this for years, that I lead with love instead of judgment. Um, and I've learned from the example of my savior in doing so. So, um, like I said, there's just so many quotes that I'd love to read from here, but I'm already at like 17 minutes and I'm not even to question one. I'm not even halfway through the episode or through the talk. So please, please read this because there are so many really good kind of like one-liners and just like succinct ways that she she says things. They're just, they pack a punch. So she um, quotes Joseph B. Worthlin. Um... And, oops. So he quoted 1 Corinthians. Um, Paul's talking about charity. If you have not charity, you have nothing. And she says, he continued, Paul's message to this new body of saints was simple and direct. Nothing you do makes much of a difference if you do not have charity. You can speak with tongues, have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, and possess all knowledge. Even if you have the faith to move mountains, without charity, it won't profit you at all. Charity is the pure love of Christ. The Savior exemplified that love. And we hear that a lot in the scriptures, right? We hear, we hear that in several different places in the Book of Mormon, New Testament, of, you know, without charity, you have nothing. If you, not, if you be not charitable, it'll profit you nothing. And so even the boast well-intentioned call-outs and whatever, you lead with love. It was something that um, took a lot of learning and put demanded a lot of patience from missionaries um, and young mission leaders. We had issues, and I'm sure all missions have this issue, um, you have 18 to 25-ish year olds leading their zone leaders and district leaders and sister training leaders in these, you know, assignments, figuring out how to be leaders in ways that they've never really been leaders before. Um, and so we had, you know, issues with people gossiping or they didn't think it was gossiping, but they were, you know, trying to help somebody, but they passed on this information and that person felt like they had betrayed their trust. And you know, really well-intentioned actions and things that they thought they were doing of love and whatever 
turned out to be, you know, didn't work in the way that they expected it to. Um, and I was a sister training leader for a while. I, I trained a new missionary and then I was called as a sister training leader. And as a sister training leader, you're assigned uh, to a few sets of missionaries, a few sets of sisters to oversee their spiritual, emotional well-being, right? So you're the person they call if they're having a bad day or they need something done or you know, they need a sister to talk to instead of their district leader who is always a dude, an elder. Um, and that was something that was drilled into us is that lead with love. When you're correcting, when you are pointing out mistakes or you're pointing out um, rules, mission rules that they're breaking, either, you know, we always lead with the, the assumption that they don't know the rule or they don't realize they're breaking the rule. Um, and just, and doing it with love, doing it in a way with an abundance of love, an increase of love. So they understand that you're not judging them. They're, you're not saying they're a terrible missionary because their skirt is too short. But like, these are the rules and we're expected to follow them. And you know, these are the reasons why we're expected to follow these things. Um, and it was always, I was always just like <laughs> pounded into us like with love. <laughs> you do know, compliment sandwich, you lead with love, you put an increase of love, you over and over and over. Um, and I had some really amazing experiences. Um, I love this story. I wasn't expecting to share this, but I think it's a really great way of like a really great example of this. So I had a couple of zone leaders who I absolutely adored. I loved them. I had served with them both for in, you know, in other areas as just missionaries, as district leaders, as zone leaders. I had served with them for ages and they were just amazing elders and I got really close with them and anyway, they're they're awesome. Um and so they were my zone leaders when COVID hit. Um my companion at the time was my trainee, she was brand new right out of the MTC, um, and it was really hard going into COVID with a brand new missionary because I had no idea what I was doing. She had no idea what, I was, what, we, what she was doing. We had no idea what we were doing. Nobody in the mission had any idea what we were doing, so I was trying to train a missionary who had never been in the field before how to be in the field when I didn't know how to be in the field. So anyway, let's just say it was a big learning curve, and for the first couple of weeks, we kind of floundered. Um, and we took up residence at our church building because our, the members we were living with didn't have Wi-Fi at their house. And so we were doing most of everything online. Um, and so we had data on our phone, like our, our mission phone had data, but we didn't want to go through it all. It was, it was, it, anyway, so we would go and we'd sit and we'd, we took over one of the rooms at the church building. Nobody else was using the church building. So we were there and we stole a whiteboard from one of the rooms, like a big rolling one. And we started weekly planning on the whiteboard. Um, it was easier for us to see it and like see that we were doing stuff and that like it was easier just to do it all that way. And for a couple of weeks, we were really bad about putting stuff into our area book on our phone. So we had a digital planner that you put it in. Anyway, so just because it was there, we were, we were weekly planning and we didn't think about always putting it in our area book. What we forgot was that our leaders could see our area books. And so our zone leaders uh, showed up one night 
with a bucket of ice cream and one of those candles that you light and then it like folds open into a flower and then like spins and sings happy birthday it was it was way over the top um so we got to watch that and then we got to be real creeped out when it kept playing even though it stopped anyway it was great and then we went inside so one of the elders could wash his hands because he <laughs> had ice cream all over his hands anyway and they came into our room to like the room that we were sitting in and we had taken over and that we were working in and they saw our whiteboard and they were like so you do have things going on and we were like oh yeah like we've been really bad about putting it into our, our area book we're really sorry and they were like no 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 it's okay we were worried that you were like going stir crazy they were like we understand how hard it is to not have anything planned and to feel like you're not doing anything at all as a missionary and we were worried about you and so we wanted to come and make sure that you guys were okay and <laughs> like and i had just i had had interactions with other elders and other sister training leaders and whatever before where they had led that could have gone very differently they could have come in and said well why aren't you doing anything why don't you have anything in area book why aren't you scheduling meetings why aren't you doing anything are you doing anything are you doing anything are you, are you good enough and they that even if they had said that with love even if they had said that with like we're worried about you you're not doing a whole lot but they led with that that assumption that like that we just didn't have anything to do and that we were probably going insane and they came and they brought ice cream and I remember when I after they left I looked at my companion and I was like we are so blessed with these elders and I was like you are so blessed with these zone leaders that you have your very first transfer um not that I wasn't blessed I was blessed with my zone leaders but um, I just told her, I was like, you're so blessed. Like these leaders, these elders love you so much. Like you, you, you could just tell they were, they were so concerned about us. Um, and it, it was just, I tried to do that when I became a sister training leader. I was like, I want to be like those elders. I want my sisters to come to me when they need something um, because they know I'm not going to judge them for it. I want to be able to come and like visit their home and just be like, we're concerned about you. Can we talk? And them not be worried that we're judging them for something that they did wrong. Um, and I think that's just a, it was just a fantastic example to me. And I think about that all the time and I'm crying about it because I just love them so much. But like I, 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 I felt so loved and I, and, and we were, one, we were reminded to put stuff in our area book. So we finally did, but we also just like, we felt, we felt cared about and we felt we were like oh they're checking up on us and not in the like oh we want to make sure that they're doing stuff way but they're checking up on us because they care and they want to make sure that we're okay and it was oh, it was great anyway okay so i'm now at 30 minutes and i'm not even like close to being done okay so i had more stories for this than i realized um so she talks about Many talks have been given by our church leaders about charity and unity and love and kindness and like the Savior is inviting us to live a whole higher and holier way where um, all can feel like they truly belong and are loved. Um, 
and so he, this is where she talks about my yoke is easy and my burden is light that you know taking upon us the yoke of christ isn't isn't work it's equal footing right if you think about um, when they yoke oxen together they put two oxen that are of the same strength and the same like build so that one's not pulling ahead of the other doing more of the work um christ's yoke is easy and his burden is light we are in a partnership with the lord not um not being dragged by him or dragging him or doing all of the work right we're in a partnership um And then she talks about this because she so she's talking about you know the Savior's example of this and she's giving lots of examples in his life from the New Testament and from the Book of Mormon um, examples of how he lied with love and she says those he touched felt his love and that love healed and transformed them his love and spirit inspired them to want to change their lives living his way brings joy and peace and he invited others to that way of living with gentleness kindness and love um and then she kind of says later she's like as followers of christ shouldn't we also be that shouldn't we also be living with love um there's this big long quote that i won't read but it's really good um she talks about like the savior asks us to learn of him and to do the things that we've seen him do and as we do that with love, as we do that not as an obligation or because we feel like we need to or we have to or out of duty, but because we love him and we love God, then that's where the most joy of that comes from. That as we are in that relationship with God and with Christ, in that partnership, and they we know that they love us and they know that we love them, that working together to make the life that they are having that we, that we both have in mind for us um that's where the, the joy comes from so i'm gonna read this one really quick um it's kind of a long one as well but i think it's important and it, it harkens back to one of our other episodes so who among us might have hidden sorrows the seemingly rebellious child or teenager the children of divorce the single mother or father those with physical or mental health challenges those questioning their faith those who experience racial or cultural prejudice those feeling alone those longing to be married those with unwanted addictions and so many others dealing with a wide variety of challenging life experiences often even those li whose lives appear perfect on the surface and this i think this this reminds me of other christopherson's talk the doctrine of belonging that we talked about a few weeks ago um he he asks a lot of the same questions in in a slightly different context but in the same kind of vein of like how often do we put you know expectations on people around us that that we that are not expectations that god would have for them or for us how often do we see people but we don't actually see them how often, you know, do we judge based on something that, you know, a bar that we've set for somebody rather than something, than a bar that God has set for somebody? And kind of the same thing here, right? It's like, who among us has hidden sorrows? Like I was talking about earlier. Who among us has hidden sorrows? Everybody. 
And so I want to ask, it's it's a very similar question to a question I asked with Elder Christopherson's talk. How can we help all to feel like they belong regardless of personal circumstance, we, circumstances we see or don't see? And that's hard sometimes because we don't see the circumstances, right? We might say something completely benign and it hurts somebody. And of course, we don't know that. But we can try. We can attempt. <laughs> As I've talked about with this podcast, I try my hardest to make the questions that I ask applicable to as many people as possible. Married, with family, without kids, single, teenagers, 80-year-old grandmothers. Like I try to make them personal and something that can be applied to pretty much everybody. Um, and it can be hard. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, especially like I've, talk, I've talked about this before, but the talks talk about missions and missionary work. Well, it talks specifically about families and marriage. I'm like, how do I apply this question or this principle? Somebody who's not married. But that's the thing is that they're principles of the gospel. They're building blocks that apply to literally everybody. And so there are ways it takes a little bit of extra time and care and love and attention, but there are ways to teach and ask questions in, you know, in our lessons that we give, in the columns that we hold, the ways to talk to people that, um, that try to make everybody feel like they belong and that you can lead in with love. So how can you do that? How can you do that in your ward, in your branch, in your stake, in your calling, in your everyday life, in your family? How can you lead with love and try to be, act in a way that is, is, um, I just lost the word, is like fair to everybody. Fair is not the right word I'm looking for, but like attentive to everybody's needs. Um, it's not always doable. It's not always easy to do that. And you're not, you're not going to be perfect at it. Don't, don't think you're going to be perfect at it, but like, how can you, how can you try that? Um, she also talks about President Nelson and his recent, um, talks about abuse and judgment and prejudice against nationality, race, sexual orientation, gender, educational degree, culture, or other significant identifiers that abuse or prejudice toward another because of those is offensive. Um, she also quotes, I believe, so both of these quotes are from um, a young adult devotional in May of this year, which is really good. I watched it. And you can you can watch it. I mean, even if you're not a young adult, you can watch it. It's um should it's up on the church website. It's called Choices for Eternity, and he also talks about like if your friends and family step away from the church, continue to love them, and don't judge them for that choice to step away from the church, um, which I think is is hard for people because you know we see how good the gospel can be and we are sad when somebody steps away from it but again we don't know the whole story we don't see everything they're struggling with um and usually people have a really good reason to leave the church it's not very rarely is it laziness or just wanting to do bad things or wanting to sin um usually it's a lot more complex than that 
Um, and then the last question that I wanted to ask is something that Sister uh, Dennis asks. Are there people in your path who you have felt inclined to judge? And I think that is a also a very big call-out question. And it's something that I think about a lot and have thought about a lot in my life. Um, and I, I had a similar question to this. And I can't remember if this if it was this conference or if it was last conference. Um, it's like I know that I've asked this question, but like I can't remember in what context I asked this question. But like it's a very introspective question of like, okay, who in my life, even if it's just like my next door neighbor, or I walked past somebody at the grocery store and I said, sir, I felt something or I said something. Um, personal example for this, uh, my companion, the same one that I was talking about earlier, she was my brand new, I loved her to bits, she was one of the most charitable, charitable people I will ever, I've ever met, um, and she's a fantastic missionary because of it, and she was always just so loving and understanding for everybody, literally everybody she came across, and I am so ashamed to this, uh, about this to this day. We went to the store on P-Day to get groceries. And there we lived in Mesa in Arizona. It was just starting to get hot. It was like April or May, once it starts getting up into like the 90s and low hundreds, it was hot. And there was a girl, she's probably in her early teens. She had really, real short shorts on. And I remember saying something like, wow, those shorts are short. Just like that too, kind of like derisively of like, pfft very judgingly and my companion looked at me and she was like well yeah it's hot outside and I was so humbled I don't think she ever realized how like how much that simple comment uh knocked me back and how much I think about that but I think about that constantly <laughs> um because it was such like a simple thing like well obviously it's hot out and so like I I don't wear short shorts. Even if I wasn't a member of the church and like like modesty wasn't a thing in my life, I probably wouldn't wear short shorts just because it would make me uncomfortable. Um, but just because I don't or don't want to or have been taught not to doesn't mean that this person can't or like is doing a bad thing because they're wearing short shorts. It's not it's not a huge deal. And it's a simple thing, right? But um, it was impactful to me and very, like, I thought, I've thought about it a lot since then. I'm like, I try to be more <laughs> like my companion at that point that, um, who, you know, looked at people very lovingly and very unjudgmentally, uh, they're just people. It doesn't matter what they're wearing or what they're saying or what they're eating or drinking, um, matters that they are a child of God. So, <clears throat> are there people in your past who you felt felt inclined to judge. Just think about it. Just think about have you had those experiences, small or big, and just mull on that for, for a bit. Okay, so there's probably a whole lot more I could say about this talk just because it is so good. Um, but I'll stop here because I'm at like 40 minutes. But so my questions for you are how can you help others feel like they belong regardless of circumstances you can or cannot see and then um, are there people in your path who you have felt inclined to judge 
and sister dennis says this right after that she talks she talks about you know if so remember these are valuable opportunities for us to practice loving as the savior does um it can take years it can take a lifetime probably will take a lifetime but they're not failures they're opportunities to realize where we can be better and where we can be more like christ so okay and then my further reading suggestions for the study um sister dennis quotes the lord i would follow thee him which is one of my favorite so if you're inclined to music reading through those or playing through or singing through that would be really cool um song sung and unsung by elder holland is one of my absolute favorite talks of all time i'm sure i I'm, i know i've given that as another further study um suggestion before so definitely read that one um the great commandment by elder workland is the one she quotes opening remarks by president nelson from october 2018 that was his first talk as prophet in general conference um she quotes it when she talks about being a higher and holier way um hearts knit together by elder stevenson from april of 2021 choices for eternity which is that young adult devotional i was talking about um the greatest possession by elder holland from october of 2021 and then there are I think six or seven talks listed in the footnotes in footnote seven and footnote 20 that um, I just didn't want to keep listing them and listing them and listing them. But there are, I think, three in each t in each footnote. Um, I know a few of them are from um, some of our female general authorities, um, organization leaders, and things like that. So if you're looking for even more talks to look into, those are also, I'm sure, would be fantastic. So uh, that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for watching and or listening today to this episode. I hope you got something out of it. And um, I'm so glad you're here. Be sure to follow General Conference Conversations on Facebook and Instagram. And if you love the show, subscribe on YouTube or follow on your podcatcher of choice and um, leave us a review if you feel so inclined and to tell your friends. I really appreciate that. And a quick reminder about the study guide that's still available. Um, the links will be in the description. But it, the full guide is now available, and it's available as a PDF, a downloadable guide that you can print out yourself, or um, you can purchase it as a physical copy that will be sent to you. So, um, and again, those links will be in the show notes. I'll talk to you all next time. Mm -hmm.